1: Block Talk Radio Welcome to the Natural Running Network We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and Medhab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. All right, so today we're going to talk about changing running form to reduce injury and improve performance. And whether or not you you want to believe that there's a potential for you to make these changes, Uh, I think you're going to find by listening to this show that uh, uh, it's going to give you some some pause to think about it. Uh, I'm going to bring on a friend of mine, uh, uh, a physical therapist by the name of Peter Folletto, who is an expert in gait correction. And uh, anyway, let's just go and get Peter on a live mic, and then we'll just go from there. Good morning, Peter.
0: Good morning, Richard. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Say hello to our audience
0: well hello audience what a, what, a, what did I hear the other day uh, forty thousand downloads plus a month it's uh that's quite an audience
1: well uh you know it it ebbs and flows but uh we have seen uh quite a few people that have uh visited us you know you know not necessarily live but uh at one time or another they 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 check us out so you're gonna get famous dude. <laughs>
0: Well, if we can just help a few more people, that'll be great. I don't know so much about the fame, but uh, uh, obviously there's some some great things we've been doing for years. And
1: uh, oh, dude, this- I tell you what, uh, I I, I kind of like shied away from talking about it, but this is something I've been messing around with for a little while, and I've been I've been sitting on my hands and not talking about it. But this company Medhab uh, is producing these insoles. Uh, They're called RPM Square. If anybody goes to their website, they're going to see and learn more about them. But these things give back feedback to you uh, via your iPhone to let you know what's going on while you're running, where you're putting load uh, uh, in your feet. So you know those people that are trying to get away from landing on their heels, it's going to indicate to them whether they're doing it or not, where they're putting the load. It'll measure their stride frequency. It'll measure power. Uh, it also crosses over for uh, for triathlon and cycling, so you can see how much uh, uh, work you're putting into each foot, where you're putting the load in your feet. Uh, it measures your cadence. It's just amazing stuff. And what's really cool for guys like you and I is that, for example, if you're to prescribe a pair of these to uh, one of your clients, when they upload this data, you get the email and you'll get a PDF file that indicates uh, all the imagery of where the loading was and what, you know, all the stats come right to you.
0: That's awesome. You know, I, I know a number yeah. of cyclists they are using power meters, and that sort of information has helped them become much more efficient.
1: Well, I, you know, I, I also fit people. I'm a bike fitter. And during the course of a bike fit, what you can do is if you put somebody on the bike and let them pedal for five minutes, it's going to show you where they're loading the pedals. So uh, we do a lot of shimming to, you know, mm-hmm. correct varus, vulgus uh, action on the pedal. And it's going to tell you whether or not there's a need for a shim or not. I mean, it's just really powerful stuff. So, and these aren't cheap, incidentally. This, these things are valuable tools, and uh, uh, they're no joke. Yeah, let's start, let's start with this, okay? Um, the first thing, I guess I'll just ask you, and, well, you know, let's, let's back up. Before we start getting into this, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do.
0: Well, uh I'm a physical therapist going on uh twenty four years now. I've been in the healthcare field for a bit longer than that. Uh have been specializing in uh performance enhancement and spinal symmetry uh for about the last fifteen years and uh used to work for a company that made some, some pretty amazing equipment and went around the United States uh teaching and training and getting to listen to and learn from some of the best minds out there and over time I've kind of developed some, some methods that have proven uh, highly effective for my clients and my athletes.
1: So now I think it's interesting to note, um, well, how we met and, you know, maybe you can give a little backstory on, on what our, what our, uh, uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't call it a relationship, but I guess sure the similarities in our, in our offerings and what we do.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, uh, the the company I used to work for uh, was the first to bring vibration training into the United States, and the, the first to manufacture. So, by default, I, I probably have more experience with that than just about anybody. And I'm 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 not challenging anyone. I you know there are tons of very talented people, tons of people much smarter than than myself. But uh, in traveling the country and installing this equipment and moving around, uh, you ended up getting my favorite unweighting unit uh, that they have, and a phenomenal treadmill. I have the same one, but a slightly different uh, unweighting unit. And a big part of what this company had done, that particular unit came about at the request of uh, the then Seattle Supersonics. They had a player that, that wouldn't heal, and they came to my former boss and asked him to make a unit that would take weight off of his stress fracture so he could heal well, he healed in two weeks and they were very, uh, very happy <laughs> with that result. So that resulted in, in a commercial production of this unit. And, uh, while I didn't get to do your installation or training, uh, have always kind of followed w- what you've done. And, uh, uh, for those people that haven't seen your page, uh, uh, BAS human performance on Facebook, I would strongly encourage them to go look at some of the examples. Um, I, after 15 years of doing this, it becomes somewhat commonplace for us, but uh, to other people, it can be astonishing. And the biggest part of that is just looking at symmetries in the body. And, and you, you obviously <laughs> understand better than most that if there's an asymmetry somewhere in your body, it's going to be reflected in your gait and, and your running style. And the more symmetrical you can become, the more efficient you become, the better off you're going to be overall. Right.
1: Okay. So here, here's the thing. And uh, I deal with people and commonly, uh, well, and I'm assuming that that this is the case for you as well, but the motivation for the clients that I meet for the most part is injury. You know, they're just (laughs) very, very, very frustrated with the fact that when they're out doing what it is they do, they keep getting hurt. And the typical MO for most runners is they get to a place where the volume in their training gets to, you know, gets to um, a level that their body is no longer capable of sustaining it, and they break down. And well, that's, from that... That's
0: the key point yeah, there, ahead. That the volume. Yeah, uh, if, <laughs> it, you know, if somebody has a pebble in the sole of their shoe, they may stop to take it out. It, it's just annoying because they'll hear a click-click when they're on the road. But most of the time... Runners, being the people that they are, they want to get their run done, so they keep running. Now, if right. you're to take that same rock or pebble and put it inside their sock, they're going to stop and take that out. So pain is usually a good motivator, and that's you're right. That That's where I see a lot of my clients. They've gotten so far down the road that we need to correct them. And, and the beauty of unweighting is, is that by taking up to 100% of their body weight off, if, if need be, and that's rarely, if ever, the case. Um, y- you can uh, reduce the stress to nearly zero and work on neurologic input. So they're getting good feedback instead of bad feedback. I mean, much like these these Medhead souls you told me about. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing those. That's something I haven't uh, right. gotten to play with personally uh, at, at your suggestion, I, I did get a mio, and I've been playing with that and love it. That's a, a great tool. Having had a, a couple of other different uh, products out there, so
1: right. Uh, so get, getting back to getting back to the volume in the injury uh, right. uh, episode, it's like what happens is because they really don't know what to do other than to rest, they rest. So they'll take maybe a week off and. Then they'll go out and test the water to see whether they're, you know, able to get back to their running, and then they start to proceed back into their volume again. And hopefully, they're, you know, if if luck is with them, they can get a little bit more volume in before they get hurt again. But they 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 make peace with their injuries, and they come to very very close relationship with when it comes about and what the barriers are before these injuries occur. So what what I find really fascinating and and spending a lot of energy on in the last six or seven years is that people are starting to figure out now that it isn't just a function of the volume, but it's the way they approach the run that needs to change. And so there's two things going on here. And there's different levels, you know, we've already kind of tiptoed into the concept of unweighting and some of the modalities we use to help people change their gait. But, the, the first line of defense is is uh, just kind of verbal cueing, teaching people what they should be trying to achieve while they run, and that has great effect incidentally. Um, I don't find myself going to uh, the hole, so to speak, as often as I used to because I can get really good inroads with people by just helping them to understand the mechanics of the way they should move and by changing their m- mindset and getting them to do the drills and things that I show them, they can make big uh, and dramatic changes in the way they move. Now, I had uh, recently uh, Dr. Nicholas Romanoff on the, on the, on the show, you know, who is the founder of The Pose Running, and that, essentially that's what he's been doing since the 70s, is helping people to make proper foot strike and you know understand the proper mechanics of movement while they're running, and it has huge implications. Um, and so I don't know whether, Peter, do you spend any time with that kind of work in your place?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I never understood people who didn't want a mirror in a gym. Uh, I I just, unless you're going to videotape every encounter, uh, I, I just don't see how you could work without that. So being able to show somebody, and there's so many different ways that people learn and getting a feel for, for how your client best learns is, is definitely a big part of that. But verbal cueing and, and proper verbal cueing and the timing of the cueing, all of those things are just so important to get the most out of your client and their potential.
1: Right. Now, and then, so the, the holy grail of all of this, and the thing that you and I share, and it's really, you know, we talked about this yesterday, it's a little, it's obscure. I mean, the work we do, is pretty obscure. You you see guys do a lot of different things when they're helping people to make changes in the way they move. But to to physically alter someone's gait through this unweighting system and the strapping is extremely powerful. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm not as close to it as you are, because I it's funny, because I'm like, I'm in my own little think tank. And I, I really don't I don't step out of my box very often. I'm what my experience is really my experience. You know, I learn from what from doing, and and every time I meet a new client, and I I learn something from them, and you know, I try different techniques, and some some better than others, some some successful, some fail, but that's essentially how I've learned to really kind of uh, manipulate and make these modifications to the people's uh, gait. And, you know, as you as you suggested earlier, you know, I've got some video clips out there of some very, very successful outcomes where we've literally changed the way people move, where it no longer becomes a function of coaching, but we physically get involved and change the way they move dynamically. Um, And so I would love it if you could kind of do a better job explaining what this is all about, because I know you taught this for, for quite a length of time, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, almost 15 years that, that I've been using that particular product. And uh, the wonderful thing about going around the the U.S. And, and getting to teach is you learn from everybody that you end up instructing. And so they would come up with different ways to use these straps. And for your listeners, uh, there is a uh, very simple product that we have. And it's a piece of... Neoprene that goes around your ankle, uh, just below your calf, and uh, another piece that is just a piece of Kevlar string. And with most shoes, uh, the insoles, the way they are right now, that string will fit right inside your sole, so it's not impacting the ground. On the side, uh, both sides of your feet, there are D-rings, plastic D-rings, with a piece of nylon attached them that you can pull up and there's a piece of Velcro on the other end and a stretchy part. And so we can pull your toes up. And if we don't do anything more than that, that's going to help to hire fire your hip flexors and get them moving. Um, a number of runners, it's it, it astounding to me the number of people that come in that, that aren't firing their glutes. And there are a number of different drills we do or corrections. And as you said, many, many times, just having a coach alongside you to point out some of the minor things that you don't see uh, can make a huge difference. And these gauge straps are relatively inexpensive, uh, but in the wrong hands could possibly do more damage than good. And I I think that's one of the reasons uh, the company hasn't seen more success putting them out there. While almost anybody can use them, with a little bit of training, you're going to get much better results. I mean, I'm not going to – go to onto a football field and tell the coach I'm going to be a better football coach because I bought a whistle. But, you know, with, <laughs> with so many trainers out there today and so many certifications, anybody can come along and hang up a shingle and talk a good talk for a while. But in the end, uh, are your athletes staying healthy? Are your athletes performing? And is everybody happy with the end result? So that's that's kind of the direction that I think we've been working through all these years, and, and yeah, there's there's a certain degree of obscurity that happens. I'm astounded that more people don't train feet. When you look at runners, every step is an input, and if they're misaligned or asymmetrical, whatever term somebody chooses to use, every single step is bad input. One of my first athletes was a tremendous distance runner but she ran like a duck i mean her form was horrid and so we're able to get her corrected and she went off to college and had a great career and is now a very successful author uh, many of your your listeners probably know her but uh uh it, it was nice to be able to make those corrections so she could get to college the problem is uh you know when a lot of the athletes leave we see them get hurt they come back we make the corrections, <laughs> they go back to school for a while and perform at a little bit higher level, but uh, it, as you mentioned, it's all about volume, and with running, again, every step that's a bad input is going to result in a bad output, and when you're putting down thousands and thousands of bad inputs, uh, until you get that correction, whether it's verbal or just using this gate strap to to move your foot in or out, or pull your toes up, or... Uh, any number of other ways that we use them, uh, you know, it's it's just going to end up in ultimately uh, patients coming back to us because they're hurt and they're working through with too much right. volume. So what what
1: I used to see a lot of with heel strikers is that they when they make contact, they're overstriding, they're landing on their heel, and in some cases, they uh, you know the, where the location of injury uh, results. Is generally uh, got to do with whether, uh, as you suggested, they're in dorsiflexion uh, or whether they're having any uh, bend at the knee at all uh, or not. And if they don't have any bend at the knee, it generally translates to the hip. And and then if they're making contact and they're everting, so in other words, as you like mm-hmm. duck foot, if you if you're hitting with your toes splayed to the outside. Under load, you know, you're you're virtually tossing yourself up in the air, landing on your heel, and if you're coming into the ground like a spear, your your knees locked out, you're translating that load right up into your hip, and then you're firing those stabilizer muscles in your glute uh, and in your hips when you make that contact, because you know that's the response you get when you make that contact, and so what ends up happening is these piriformis muscles tend to get really really locked up. And, and so they, they generally start uh, experiencing all these hip problems. And so going back to the straps, what I would do in this case, aside from just changing their gait, getting them off their heels, and getting them to make contact more under center of mass, I'll actually strap their thigh. You didn't talk about this, but, you know, th- those big um, sleeves that we put around their thigh and then these big straps where we attach the strap. To the vest that they're they're in, as they're mm-hmm. suspended over the treadmill, and so if people try to imagine you're wearing this vest, uh, mm-hmm. think of it, think of it like uh, you know uh, a water ski vest or something like this, and you're 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 suspended. So we're we're lifting you up and reducing your your load. So we may take some of the inhibition away from your body. So maybe 25, 30 percent of your body weight is taken away. And then we internally rotate your, your, your entire limb. So your, your leg is turned, uh, it's like spun inward a little bit. And now as you're running, every step you take is changing the length relationship in the muscles that are, that are stabilizing that hip. And then what I find is in a matter of five or six sessions of doing this type of work and, and guiding them and keeping them into a nice, um, appropriate in, uh, level of uh, uh, pace and, and form the problem goes away, and, and they can, they can do this without any uh, uh, problems any longer. They're able to run naturally without having to think about it. Have you, and I know you've had these kind of experiences, haven't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. And and this carries across uh, all genres. It doesn't matter what the sport is or, or what sort of problem you're dealing with. One of the things that I really enjoy is I might have, uh, <clears throat> well, at my prior job, we had uh, paraplegics walking next to very high level athletes, and so we might be doing the exact same thing and you You were going on to the thigh straps and the and the vests uh again, I would refer people back to your website or or Facebook page so they can see that in action but if if they can imagine this big long strap, and so for instance, if somebody uh was pigeon-toed or they, they, you know, turn their feet in quite a bit, we would start this trap uh, coming down from the vest, going outside the leg and around their thigh. So it brings them into a more neutral position. And sometimes in just a matter of seconds, we'll see a great correction. One of the benefits that you have as well is the use of the vibration platform. And uh, <laughs> there are a number of manufacturers out there now the problem is there's there's just so much variability be- between those but the, the example i give with those is it takes people say depending on who you talk to somewhere between 3 and 10,000 repetitions to pattern a new movement or an engram well if we're doing 40 hertz on a on a vibration plate that means that in a matter of minutes we can completely change a movement pattern and so, if we if we do the unweighting of the correction there, and then move somebody to a plate, I find that those uh, fix or stabilize uh, much quicker. So we're going to see a, a more long term per- permanent response to the change. Uh, if we don't fix the problem, I'm sure as, as you've seen many times, you may have to go back and work on something else. There's there's some other driver that's uh, dominating uh, the gate problem at that point. You know, we talk about the kinetic chain every, everything is obviously linked uh you know right down to the big toe you know you were talking about everting and somebody uh on their toe off. there it's going to put an undue amount of pressure on their foot until we get a more symmetrical pattern they're going to continue to have those uh painful episodes uh you, know, you talk about uh computers garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> Again, while it's right. it's quite obvious for you and I when we look at somebody, oh, well, I'll just strap this or do that, and then I will come around. I, I can remember a uh, uh, young gentleman, I think nine years old, who'd been a tow walker his whole life, and, uh, and just five minutes of putting the straps on, this kid was running across the floor, and his parents were just crying. I mean, everybody was... Uh, pretty touched by by how quickly things can change and I mentioned working with paraplegics uh we had two patients that were, we were working with that were classified asia a meaning uh, their spinal cords have been completely severed there was no possible way for them to move but the combination of the unweighting, the strapping the vibration uh, was able to dramatically change their lives in ways that uh, never could be done any other way that I'm that I'm aware of but uh, anyhow, getting back getting back, the runners and, and the athletes that we deal with, uh, it's it's that much easier when you have people that will listen and affect uh, change just by those verbal cues. And if that's not enough, then we have all of these other tools that we can go to, the thigh straps, the foot straps. And there's any number of ways to use those straps to correct whether somebody's is overstriding or they're not moving enough. Uh, hopefully the verbal cues are the the change that they need right there. But if we need something else, there's always something in the toolbox that will bring them along. And I know having looked at some of your other videos, uh, I think, I don't, I don't know if you've had a chance to ever look at any of the the videos I put up, but with athletes, it's it's absolutely amazing to see what happens with their sprinting speed and their, their ability to stop and start uh, being able to move, uh, side to side and backwards on the treadmill allows us to move in more functional movement patterns than than any other way that I'm aware of. And unless you can remove gravity to take some of that kinetic load off, to take some of that poor neuromuscular input in, uh, I don't think you're ever going to find a way that can correct as quickly and permanently as the combination of unweighting and strapping.
1: Right. Well and that's that's the thing. It's like um I I, I can't help but 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 bring it up. I, I was while you were saying that I was thinking about the Alter G. And mm-hmm. uh, for those for those of you that are not familiar with an Alter G, it's basically uh it's not necessarily un, well, I guess it would ca- be categorized as an unweighting system, but you basically yeah. inside of a bag that is blown up while you're on the treadmill and it reduces some of your your load as you're moving and it's it's highly regarded in the running industry uh as a way to to bring back athletes that are recovering um but you can't turn in it <laughs> and you can't you can't have any influence over the way they're moving while they're in it as, as well because you virtually sew yourself into the to the bag you have to wear a pair of shorts and you zip yourself into the bag and really the only benefit that arises there is that it's going to take some of the load off of you but with the system that we use, we're able to physically get involved with the people as they move, and then we can move them in 360 degrees. So, you know, as you suggested, you know, having uh, like the power athletes, we have them do lateral drills, uh, retro running, I call it, where they're running backwards, sideways, Mm -hmm. talk about getting the glutes to fire, and lateral stabilizers, the hips to fire. This is a very, very powerful tool for that. And dramatic outcomes in a very, very short period of time. As a matter of fact, when I work with power athletes like that, I I, I make a deal with them where we only uh, ask them to commit to eight sessions. And my goal is to make dramatic changes in, in their speed and agility in a matter of eight sessions. And it's not because of the, what we're doing from a contractual perspective. We're not doing anything to encourage more muscle or more physical strength to do the work. We're just waking them up neurologically. We're we're starting to fire muscles that they weren't using before, and through that there, it's you know, I use the analogy of, you know, if if I sold you a car, it was your first car, and it's a V eight, and only six of the cylinders are firing because I've taken a couple of the spark plug wires off. Uh, it sputters, it kicks, and it gets you down the road, but you don't know any better. And then all of a sudden I come up and say, Well, wait a minute. And I plug in these other two spark plugs and the thing takes off and it's smooth and it's running very nicely. Well, you know, when you have this, what I call sensory motor amnesia, when, you're, when your muscles aren't firing and you don't have the support system that you actually uh, were, were provided with to begin with uh you're you're never going to be capable of producing 100%. So that's that I guess that's part of the gift we give is being able to bring that back. But we're kind of getting off point though. I I I didn't really want to get off into the high speed and that kind of stuff yet. I want to sure. talk more about the 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 people that are just saying, "Well, Richard, you're talking about a lot of stuff here. Can I change the way I move and is it a good idea?" And so I just kind of want to take it back to some real basic concepts and basic thoughts. So we've already kind of alluded to the fact that uh, running on your heels is bad juju. It's a bad idea. Just the kinematics and the physics of it are that you're just not doing yourself any favors. And uh, I don't care who you are. This is my position. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I don't care who you are or what level of running you are today. If you change the way you move, where you're getting off your heels and you're starting to gain the eccentric energy from the ground because you're facilitating your calf and Achilles and you put yourself in a posture that is moving forward more than leaning back, you're going to run better and you're going to have a much greater potential all the way around. That's my take. What's your thought?
0: No, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, We've been teaching that basically the entire time that, uh, that I've been working in, in performance enhancement, I, just the mechanics from me tell me that it's, it's going to induce more torque to your pelvis if you're heel striking. There are a number of studies that show, no, that's not the case. There's a number of studies recently that show that high-level athletes are not doing what they think they're doing and they use video and they use coaches to go back and go, look, here's, here's what's really happening. So, uh, again I, I couldn't agree more the the more efficient you are the less like you, likely you are to uh experience pain when you when you look at high level athletes in any sport uh, the one thing that everybody says oh, they make it look so easy well, <laughs> i hope so you know otherwise they're not being efficient and i think that's what it comes down to when when we're making these verbal cues or using the gate stops to to affect change Um and, and and don't get me wrong, I, they are great tools. Once somebody has a little bit of training, they can take those home and and use them, and that's their homework. But uh, the the simple things can make a difference, uh, right down to how you tie your shoes. I mean, there, there's just little things you can do that are going to make a difference. They're going to uh, help your shoes fit better. You talked about... Uh, bike fitting and, and, you know, the differences that you can make there. Everything you do is about trying to make somebody more efficient, whether it's their posture, which is a big part of what I do, uh, or uh, just the verbal cue that maybe their toes are turned out too much and they need to bring them in a little bit. And then there's the difference between knowing, well,
1: wait a minute,
0: you know, is is there some... uh, genetic predisposition in their hips that's not going to let them turn their feet in and that's what they have to do. So how do we accommodate them as best we can and still work towards the most efficient position? And I think that's where everybody can agree. The The researchers can go out and claim that they've found the, you know, the new greatest fad and that's going to be the best thing for you. But, uh, you know, it's it, it all comes back to, are you running without pain? are you running in a manner that's enjoyable <laughs> and and are you improving if that's your goal some people want to go out just to run you know that that there are many people out there that that don't have that luxury right now and whether it's pain or some physical deformity that needs to be overcome if there's a way we can do that then that's what we want to do
1: right well so breaking it down to real simple concepts here there are people out there, and, you know, just f- forgive me downplaying this whole process, but there are people out there that run funny. They know uh-huh. they run funny. And what I mean by run funny is that, um, you know, their their legs are all over the place, their arms are all over the place, but they're getting it done. And uh-huh. at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I used to hate when a guy would run by me. I mean, meaning he's passing me, and he's just... <laughs> He's all over the place, you know, he's looking like he looks like he's drunk or something, but he's beating me, right? And yeah. so you take a guy like that, and he's like, you know what, I'm good with this. Uh, you know, I've been doing this all my life. Yeah, I, I look a little funny, but, you know, it's just kind of my trademark. It's what I do. It's okay. But, you know, when it's it's a function of kinematics, I mean, the joints are designed with a particular path intended, I don't know if that's an appropriate thing to say, but I mean, we we are the way our bodies align, and the way we are generally designed to function um, can get disrupted. Something along the way, something in the course of our lives, disrupts our natural patterns of movement, and then it becomes habit, and then we end up teaching ourselves to move this way. So my theory is, is if you could teach yourself to move funny. You could teach yourself to move better. Because uh, in my experience, you used to start, uh, uh getting off into the potential for uh, genetic abnormalities. I rarely see that. It's a very rare occasion where I find someone that has just got something going on that is just, you know, as you suggested, we do the best we can to try to help them be in the best path they could be in. But that's that's an uncommon scenario. It's like, for example, bone deformity. I mean, where there there's you know they're really really bow legged or something like this. Mm-hmm. I that's a that's a one in a hundred thing with me. I don't see a lot of that at all. And I never uh, personally, I never promise someone that we're going to change all that when I know in fact that it's just not going to change. Uh, I generally tell people right up front, say, look, you visit me. I get a look at you. If I don't think I can change it, I'm going to tell you, I don't think I can change it. I'm not going to get into your wallet and just, you know, you know, waste your life and your time coming to see me hoping that, you know, I'm going to make a living and you're not going to get in a better place. So um, I, I, I never do that. But my point is this, is that it is valuable to make change because the funnier you run, you know, just getting back to this broad, simple concept. The funner you run, the greater potential you're going to have to hurt yourself. And it becomes, again, a function of how much you expose yourself to the work you're doing. So for some people, it may be 20 miles a week. Some people, it might be 50 miles a week. And some people might just be very, very dense uh, in respect to their ability to take on pain or or structurally they're very, very solid and they get away with more than others. And some people, they break down very uh, quickly. But my, my point is this, if you make some subtle corrections to the way you move, you can in fact get more out of your, your efforts. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I uh, I, you know, I had several thoughts come to mind about my personal life. I, I was a lifeguard for years, and when I was in college, I had some people who knew that, and they said, oh, well, come swim with us in intramurals. So I thought I'd get in the pool and Put in some laps and kind of work on things. And I'm swimming down the the lane and a and a guy on a kickboard was passing me. <laughs> so, you know, it was certainly an area where I could have used a coach, and and I didn't have that that opportunity. Uh, you know, when we look at the the gate straps and how we can make minor corrections if if verbal cues haven't quite gotten there, um, I grew up skiing. That's my sport, and I had never. Had a proper boot fitting until I was 36 years old, and I skied in a, a recreational league and uh, a race league and went up that night, and it was everything I could do to stay ahead of my skis. Uh, I had the best run of my life ever, and it was it was just such an eye opener. I'd never really been a fan of orthotics or uh, I hadn't given much thought to that, and it's embarrassing to admit as a as a physical therapist that I. I hadn't had that done earlier, but then again, I went to a coach. <laughs> I had somebody assess me, do a good assessment, and make some minor corrections, and they really were minor, but uh, I'd had ACL surgery. I'd, I'd had some other problems, so I had some asymmetries. I had some things that I was still working on correcting, and uh, that really kind of opened my eyes to uh, how powerful some of the things we do uh, with our feet And our positioning and our symmetries uh, can be, and and that was it wasn't like the the turning point for me, but boy, it sure did drive it home.
1: Yeah, well, I, I could tell you that again, as I suggested in the very early part of this this show. I've gotten away from getting heavy on people where you know we get them on the unweighted system and start strapping them and things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in, in a lot of times, that to me is like being a veterinarian. You know, you 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 bring your pet to the veterinarian. The the vet doesn't start asking the, the 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 dog questions about what hurts and what doesn't hurt. He just starts influencing whatever it is that he needs to influence in order to to make change. And that to me is kind of like what happens when I get people in the in the harness. Because I'm no longer uh, involved in trying to verbally cue them. I've I've physically taken over the way they move. And, and basically jig them up to cause their bodies to respond dynamically. And then the musculature and the ligaments and tendons start heaving too, and the, the central nervous system starts to learn these new patterns. And then we basically affected change without having to verbally cue them. Now, in cases where people have some, you know, huge abnormalities in the way they move, and it's, it, you know, it's been patterned over a great length of their life, uh, you can't verbally cue them to stop doing that. It's just not going to work. So you, you 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 know you know what I'm talking about. You you have to intervene. You have to you have to make changes, and it becomes no longer a function of of coaching. It's it's more a function of, of uh, restructuring. You're you're changing the way they move, and it's interesting. I, I'll have clients where, and, and I'm sure you've done this yourself, where you get them in to the harness and you get them strapped up and you have a move for a little bit. It's not quite what you were hoping for. And then you stop them and then you adjust the straps and then you put them back in and they move a little bit longer. And, you know, and I spend my, 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 my time with them, sitting in a chair, watching them on the treadmill. And then, you know, every now and then, you know, a strap loosens up and I adjust it and I tighten it up. But once I get him into a place where everything is doing what I want it to do, we no longer talk about gait. We talk about, you know, uh, the new girlfriend and how, how uh-huh. are you doing in school and, You know, we're just having social banter because every move they make, and you suggested every time you make contact with the ground, you're setting down patterns, and you're Mm -hmm. setting down uh, uh, input, uh, and it no longer becomes a function of uh, being uh, conscious of it. It's an unconscious uh, manipulation we're creating for them so they don't have to think about it. But that's a very, very powerful thing to be able to do in the absence of being able to just essentially verbally cue them. So I get essentially two types of clients: some that just need education, and some that need intervention, and you know, some that maybe need a little bit of both. But it, it is a very cool tool to be able to reach out and do that. And that's that's kind of why I, I I reached out to you. You know, you you made a comment to me about my treadmill. Uh, oh yeah, I've got one of those too. And I thought, well, that's an, unusual, <laughs> and that's what caused <laughs> me to seek you out because. Yeah, I don't know anybody that that has a treadmill like mine, but you. I mean, because there's very, I mean, you know how there's just a handful of those uh, in the U.S. I believe, right?
0: There are very few in that particular treadmill, uh, having been imported from Germany. It, <laughs> you're just not going to find them anymore. Uh, the cost is is so prohibitive, but it it is easily my favorite. Uh, you know, there's it's kind of a big gun, as you were alluding to. I, I fully agree with verbal cues and, and sometimes just the gate straps. And, and again, I'll send patients home with those with with little homework to wear them for a half hour in the morning, a half hour at night, and then extend that. But, but you know, the, the other end of the spectrum, uh, if I have somebody who's just massive and they've locked in those patterns, then it, we're going to call out the big guns and I'm going to, put every strap I need on there to get a good correction uh, if it's just somebody who's had that pattern one of my favorite things to do whether they're a cyclist or a runner is to put them out there to their limits you know if they're gonna go run a 10k I want them to go run nine and then come back and let me look at him if they're a cyclist I want them to do 50 miles and then I'm gonna look at him because then I'm gonna get a true indication of where they are. And and that's one of the beauties of of the unweighting by unloading and taking some pressure off the body. We're going to, you know, they talk about layers of an onion. You peel off the layers. They're going to expose different weaknesses with a different amount of unweighting at, at each level. And it's not always necessary. We don't need to shout at the body to get a response. The verbal cue, especially if it's the right one and it's timed appropriately, in my opinion, is always the best thing to do. You want to put in as little input as you need to get maximum output. But as right. you've seen over and over and over, whether it's a high-level athlete doing some of those other things, and and uh,
1: <laughs> you know
0: that's that's out there uh, as as you well know. We I've seen some of your videos with some of your kids. Uh, I can't believe you're not uh just bursting with uh high school football players down there or, or track stars because
1: it, it's so easy you to know make what? them
0: better. But it's
1: it's it's really interesting that you bring that up because I think that a lot of the resistance I get uh comes from the coaches because they don't understand what I do yeah. but they they fear it. And uh, yeah. I've I've gotten a lot of yardage with cross country runners where Oh yeah. Um where, uh, you know, I, I have a kid as a client, and generally they come to me because they're hurt. And, you mm-hmm. know, they've exhausted every other avenue. You know, they've gone to a traditional system of physical therapy. And, you know, the therapist does his job. He, he gets them out of the pain uh, episode. And um, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, that you know, that's his that's his role. But he doesn't go, uh, you know, and, uh, you're an exception. In a lot of cases, these therapists don't um, go through the process of re-educating the way... They're moving, which is going to uh, contend with the culprit as opposed to the outcome. And um, so they get hurt again. And, you know, and then it gets to a place where it manifests into uh, such a severe injury that it requires some surgical intervention, possibly knee issues or what have you. But anyway, I, I've had kids come to me where um, by changing the way they move, all the issues that were, uh, they were facing go away. They, they go mm-hmm. away. I mean, You know, for example, shin splints, knee pain, hip pain. And I've had cases where physicians have told these kids or the parents of the kids, uh, they can't run anymore because they're developing uh, arthritis in the knees and it's just, they should take up a different sport or maybe swim or something like this. And then in a matter of uh, a week, I've got the kid running pain-free and running better than the kids that they're competing with. And it gets to be a situation where, because traditionally in school, the kids don't know how to run. The cream rises to the, to the uh, top simply because maybe they were genetically inclined. They just had a great sense of, of ability to run, uh, be it a function of VO2 score, be it a function of just naturally gifted runner, if, if there is such a thing. Um, you know, those are the guys that, that, are, that are killing it. And, but everybody else, like them, still doesn't know how to run. So we change the way they move, improve the way they move, and I'll go out and, and you know, you'll see 20 kids on the track. You could pick out the kids I worked with. And mm-hmm. The coaches can pick out the kids I worked with because they notice, you know, how smoothly they're, mo- they're moving and how, how quickly they're improving. And so and I've had a couple scenarios where the coaches reached out to me and said, "Look, would you come work my, with my kids and work with me? Show me how to do mm-hmm. what it is you're doing, so that I can get out of my kids what you're getting out of those few clients." But it's different with football. I don't know whether it's the fact that the you know in football is kind of a macho sport, and you know a lot of these uh, uh, football coaches they came from being a football player themselves, and. You know, they're really old school. They they come up and they're doing what their coach taught them and what their coach mm-hmm. taught them, what their coach coach taught them. So they're not really in, you know, in the new millennium with their thinking processes. They're just out there, you know, uh, on the gridiron. They're, you know, they're harder, heavier, beat it down, scream at them, run, 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 but not changing mechanics. And, you know, I've had occasion, I've worked with some some football players where, um, you know, we made some significant differences in the way they move, and uh, obviously enough speed, the ability to produce explosive speed in very, very uh-huh. brief amounts of time. You know, it, it's not an uncommon scenario where I'll get a guy, and I'll put him in the harness on the treadmill, and I'll drop him into to about 15 miles an hour, and that's all they could sustain. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's taxed. He's in a big problem at 15 miles per hour. Yeah. And then within a matter of three weeks, I've got the guy doing repeats and doing ten, fifteen second repeats at twenty two, twenty three miles per hour, yeah. and, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm sure you've oh. seen much quicker than that.
0: Well, yeah, I, there was a there was a big thing last year. There was a receiver for the Cardinals who uh, had a video clip, and he got millions and millions of hits because he did twenty five miles an hour. And I was laughing. I mean, I have kids in high school doing that. Uh, all of my athletes will will get up to twenty eight at some point. And oh, your treadmill's wrong! And it, uh, no, it's a German treadmill. It's pretty pretty highly <laughs> calibrated. I mean, uh, I've got a quarterback playing in a state championship game tonight, and this kid is six five and runs an electronic four five eight. He's got better numbers than anybody taken the NFL draft last year. Uh, I think two guys out jumped him on his vertical, but I mean, he's a senior in high school and they're graduating from college, you know? So, uh, it's, it's just fun to see how quickly, uh, you can make these changes. And it doesn't matter if it's an athlete or, or a runner or, or a high level runner, you know, I mean, I get some pushback from some of the track coaches because they're, uh, well, for, for whatever reason, but running is one of the easiest things to correct. And, and, When you're working on a sport that doesn't have as many variables, when you can make somebody highly efficient in a very short period of time, I don't know if the coaches feel threatened or how that works. I mean, um, I had, because you brought it up earlier, I I had an athlete that was uh, at the U.S. Olympic Training Center, and she she was captain of the U.S. javelin team at the time uh and she had used the alter g to rehab a uh, tibial plateau fracture and she liked it for that because it could do great things but she also knew the difference between the two and you know with oh. obviously in in my mind we, we have a better solution but you know the right tool at the right time i guess is what i'm what i'm getting to and uh just being able to do these things so quickly it uh, it's frustrating when you want to help more people and and you don't quite have the reach to, to get to everybody. So, you know, I, I, I look forward to uh, maybe coming on your show at a later date, we can get into some, some more specific things with these. If if that's something that your, your listeners want to hear.
1: Well, I, I, I think that there's, there's, there's call for it. I mean, I have, uh, um, you know, last week we did an interview with, uh, Hunter McIntyre, who he, he him and his team just won the uh, World's Toughest Mudder, oh, which yeah. is just an Im- imposing event. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's 24 Absolutely. hours, 24 hours on a five-mile course with 25 obstacles, and you know whoever can cover the most distance in that 24 hours wins. And him and his team, uh, and the you know the interesting thing about a team dynamic is that. You've got, to, you've got to win as a team. You can't get any further apart from one another than about 12, 12 feet, I think, 12 meters, I think it is. You have to stay as a unit. So if you're feeling like you got to go, you can't. Or if you're if you're dragging, you've got to get it up. But they covered like 76 miles over the course of this 24 hours. And uh, so Hunter is – and actually he's the, he's the point leader in the Spartan uh, uh, Championships – uh, this year and uh, he's come to me and that's actually how I found him is he, he contacted me because he realizes that in order to, to, you know, maintain his position in, in potentially world, uh, win the world championships next year, he's got to focus on his running because, you know, he's a big guy, he weighs 195 pounds and the, and the guys he's competing with are, you know, 140 pound whippets that can run, you know, 215, 216 marathons. And now he can muscle through the obstacles when it comes to time to run, and you know the, the world championships are over a 13 mile course, so you know you've got to do a lot of running. So uh, he's got a hold of me, so we can work on his speed. And mind you, he's fast. You know, he runs. You know, for for a guy that big, it was 4:30 mile. You know, wow. and, which is pretty. It's pretty astounding for for a guy that weighs 195 pounds. But uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take him to the dark side. We're going to get in and start working on his uh, his explosive speed and see if we can bring his game up a little bit. So you know, across the board, it's we have uh a, a variety of people that listen to the show, and most of them are uh running in some fashion or another, whether it be to run a mile uh or as a segment of a triathlon or you know in a in a tough mudder or a Spartan race or you know trying to run across the U.S. Um you know running mechanics is a very important uh component of all of this and and the more We could shed light on the importance of doing it properly. I think we're doing people a a service.
0: Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I I just keep going back to the fact that the more symmetry you can create in your stride, the better off you're going to be. My favorite cue was to to have people keep their toe on the treadmill because that's where a lot of our work is done uh, as long as possible. And just that small little change can affect if it's the right cue at the right time, uh, can affect a dramatic difference in somebody's race by lengthening their stride just a little bit. And with every stride being an eighth of an inch longer, whatever it is, uh, you know, over the course of 24 hours, that might get him another half mile, a mile, whatever. And uh, even in a, a shorter race, uh, a guy at 195 running a 430 mile, uh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. There's no doubt in my mind why he's... Uh, uh, current champion, and uh, I look forward to seeing how he does with some some minor corrections from you. I, you know, when you get an athlete that good and make him better, I think that's one of the true tests uh, of what you can do. Anybody can take somebody who's you know a good athlete, and then you just remove a couple of the problems, and they become a great athlete. And then what can you do to make somebody stand out that much more? Uh, and I think the one thing I take the most pride in is the the low injury rate in my athletes and uh, in most of the sports especially if you're talking about high school athletes they're trying to get a college scholarship you know they they want to go on to the next level and people most often just aren't realistic It's, it's such a small percentage of people that make it and then when you get to the professional level for them to stay at that level you know you look at the average time of Say a professional hockey player, a professional football player. You know, it's it's a short window of time. They have to make money, and and uh, it's amazing to me that some of those communities haven't caught on to some of these ideas a little bit more, um, in order to basically you know, protect their investment, if nothing else. So. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm going to hook you up with these guys at uh, uh, at uh, Medhab. Uh, I'll I'll connect you with them because I think that it's absolutely a tool that you must have. And they're they're partnered by the way, they're partnered with Michael Johnson, Mm -hmm. a world record for 400 meters. And, you know, he was the fastest man in the world for the great deal of time until finally Hussein Bolt um, uh, uh, beat him in the 200 by uh, just fractions of a second. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So it's going to be interesting to, to hear from him and, he's very much involved in uh this this new system of training. So listen, we're getting ready to wrap this up. I'd, I'd like people to know how to find you, Peter. Tell them where you're at and and uh tell them how to find you.
0: Uh well, I'm in Boise, Idaho. Uh the name of my business is Win Sports Lab. Uh and then the physical therapy side is Helix, H E A L X. Physical therapy they can find me on facebook uh my uh website is not up right now on when we'll be getting that up shortly uh helix dot com they can go there um and if they'd like to send me an email uh you know there's uh, a link up my website uh or uh just through facebook they can message me or if they want to get a hold of you and we can we can go from there uh you know uh There's tons more things I'd like to talk about. Uh, I believe Michael Johnson uh, was helped out by a mutual friend of ours on a piece of equipment uh, where he'd strained his hamstring, and he went out and ran the world record within 10 minutes of of doing some stretching-type work. And so uh, all of these products you have on this week, I, I guarantee you I'll be calling in because I'm just as interested as your your listeners as to to what else can be done and and i appreciate the time here today it's always nice to to hear from people in the field that uh are searching for new ways more efficient ways to make their athletes better and and again i just uh really appreciate the time to reach out to you and any of your listeners I'd be happy to hear from all right
1: well peter listen uh it was good having you listen have a wonderful weekend
0: you too thanks a lot all right bye-bye Well, friends,
1: it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.